We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform. The Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same. And love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter number 6. Verses 1. We'll read through to verse number 3. I will just stop at that. Hebrews chapter number 6. Verses 1 to 3. Verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again in the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Verse 3 says, And this we will do if God permits. Father, we thank you. For the entrance of your word gives light, it gives understanding unto the simple. We receive with reverence of heart this evening your engrafted word, which is able to bless and deliver our souls. Declaring, Father, that you will do the teaching yourself by the help of your spirit. That tonight's teaching will not be about my eloquence, but will be about your grace and your power. And that you communicate your truth to everyone. The Lord, there shall be convicting power of your spirit in the lives of everyone under the sound of my voice here tonight. And no one would ever remember the same again. We give you praise, our Father. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. And the church of the Lord says, slam your hands to one another, celebrate one another, celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Height. Welcome to Recharge and have your seat in God's presence. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Please make sure the camera is centralized. I'm not sure it is based on what I'm seeing. And you can do a portrait shot right now. Hallelujah. Okay, so tonight I welcome you to Recharge once more. And I'm welcoming you to Rooted. Rooted is um, uh, a teaching series of focus we've been exploring at Recharge. And we declare and we call this, you know... Um, um, fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. That's what Rooted is about. It's fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. Fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. According to the book we read, Hebrews chapter number 6, and I think right now, I've done enough research to then believe or begin to attribute the authorship of the book of Hebrew to, um, um, to Paul, to Apostle Paul. All right, so according to what Paul wrote there in Acts chapter number 6, he says, therefore, living the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, and just like I had said multiple times, is there any reason why you have just the banner displayed for so long? Hallelujah, thank you. Amen. It is important we are always mindful of our online church. Okay, online church, I'm, I'm rooting for you all. Okay? When you're watching service online, they don't want to see your banners, 
Okay, if you need to switch the cameras, you can do that momentarily. Do it momentarily and take off the banner. Alright, if not, they'll feel they are lost or you've lost them. Okay, hallelujah. I hope somebody watching online will say thank you pastor for speaking up for us. Hallelujah, <laughs> glory to God. Amen. So Paul says these are elementary, these are basic doctrines of the Christian faith. Meaning that these are things that every believer should know. They are not, not even rocket science, not anything extra. These are things every believer needs to know. He says, not, uh, he says the discussion of the elementary doctrines, elementary principles of Christ. He says, let us go on to perfection. Meaning that there are more important things to talk about. There are more important things that we can discuss. Not think around the laying on of hands. That is very, very elementary. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. He mentioned six of them there. And in all of the teachings that I've been having, I've always had cause to be telling us or explaining what each of them are. Let's go over the six again. He says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's number one. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. That's number one. He says, and of faith toward God. That's number two. He says, of the doctrine of baptisms, number three. He says, of laying on of hands, number four. Of resurrection of the dead, number five. And of eternal judgment, number six. And without any altar of doubt, we have explored a couple of these doctrines. We've talked about the repentance from dead works. We've talked about faith towards God. Even though I'm still going to go back to that one later on. We've talked about doctrine of baptisms. You all should remember that. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. And the last time we had rooted, we explored the doctrine of laying on of hands. I believe you all should remember that. So tonight, without further ado, I want us to touch on yet another doctrine. And this is the doctrine of resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Resurrection of the dead. Can you bring that up a little bit, glory? Resurrection of the dead. The doctrine of resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Resurrection of the dead. Heavenly Father, once more breathe upon your word and let it cause transformation in our lives in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, um, Vanessa. An happy birthday to you, to Tari, to... Um, Chioma again, and thank you, Jessica Ahuru Kajo. Thank you for for rooting for me, or for thanking me for rooting for your all. Okay, Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Now, when you go through the Scripture, or as a believer, one of the things you must have been conversant with was that it was it should be about the resurrection of Christ. As a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks back, we still explored and celebrated. Easter, what we call Easter. Easter Sunday was a pure celebration of the resurrection of Christ Jesus. I do not think that, you know, um, as a believer, you should have any doubt, any concern as to if truly Jesus resurrected or Jesus did not resurrect. Because in actual fact, before your salvation can be sealed, before it can be said of you that you are saved, there are certain elements that you must believe in, that you must hold very dear to heart as, uh, you know, a, a, a believer to be. Number one of them is that you must believe that Jesus is the son of God. In the same vein, you must believe that Jesus is God. 
Again, you must also believe that Jesus walked on the face of the earth. You must believe that Jesus lived. You must believe that Jesus died. You must believe that Jesus rose, that's resurrected from the dead. And you must believe that Jesus is coming again. These are the elements via which your salvation or acceptance of the Lordship of Jesus, you know, is predicated. And Romans chapter number 10 from verse number 8 downwards, specifically verse number 10, explains this to us. He says, if you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, he says you will be saved. So for you to be saved truly, or the testament of your salvation, part of the proofs of your salvation is that you believe that Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus is coming again. And you believe that Jesus is Lord. I mean, Jesus is truly God. Because the Bible says that no one can actually even say or confess that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of the Lord. So the resurrection of Christ isn't something that should be a bother for you or that should be a concern. That resurrection of Jesus in itself is one of the very things that has given life to our Christian walk. If you remember, during um, our Easter Sunday service, I brought you a message titled, um, um, The Benefit of His Resurrection. And I began to explore in that teaching some of the things the resurrection of Jesus made available to us. He gave us power, gave us victory, he gave us hope. The reason why we can lay claim to saying that we are new believers, I mean, we are new creations, or we are believers, that we have a new life, was actually because Jesus resurrected. If Jesus hadn't resurrected, if all that he did was to die on the cross and he never rose again, it simply means that you and I would never have been able to lay claim or to lay hold on some of the many things that we lay hold on today. Meaning that our Christian faith would never have been sealed. His resurrection was one of the things that sealed our faith. It's the reason why we have power and muscle. It's the reason why we also believe that without a doubt, sometime soon when Jesus, you know, whether we die or Jesus, you know, on Jesus' second return, we will change this mortality, you know, for immortality. We will change this corruptible body for incorruptible body. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So that same resurrection of Christ is the reason why we can believe that resurrection truly is, it's true. Because he avails power to us. He makes power available to us. It is the reason why we can be called Christians today. In John chapter number 3, Nicodemus had gone to meet with the Lord and, you know, crept into to where Jesus was. You know, I was asking Jesus, what does it mean to be born again? Do I have to go again into my mother's womb to be reborn? To be born again. Jesus said to him, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, like I usually say, I'm thankful to God for the life of Nicodemus. That he asked that particular question. And that Jesus also answered. Because if Nicodemus hadn't asked, what does it mean to be born again? You'll be certain that the subject of being born again would have been very debatable in the world today. And he asked very explicitly, do I need to go into my mother's womb to be reborn? Jesus said, no. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. If you go through the scripture, before we actually go through that, let's see 1 Corinthians as I laid the foundation tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I'm going to read verses 1 to 5 first, and then I will jump to other verses. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 
Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. First Corinthians chapter number 15, verses 1 to 5. Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you. He says, which also you received and in which you stand. He says, by which also you are saved. He says, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse number three then says, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins. Please pay attention. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. Can you see it? And that he was what? And that he was buried. And that he rose again. What did I tell you a part of the element of your salvation? You must believe he died. You must believe that he was buried. You must believe he rose from the dead. You must believe that he's coming back again. He says, and that Christ was buried. He says, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Verse number five then says, he says, and that he was, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Let's see verse number 20 of the same first Corinthians number 15. Verse number 20. I'm trying to make it short. I don't want us to go through all the verses. Verse 20 says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That has been used in figurative sense. Let's see verses 51 to 54 of the same first Corinthians number 15. 51 to 54. Or let's even start reading from verse number 50. 50 to 54. It says, Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. It says, But behold, I tell you a mystery. I tell you a what? A mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 52 says, In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, it says, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Verse number 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall, be he, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever thought of what happens when somebody dies? For a moment, forget if it's a believer or not a believer. How many of you have ever thought about that? Please, can you get the microphone? Let's make this Bible study so that we can, can go around. Hallelujah. Someone raised their hand at the back. Anybody? You thought about that? So do you want to share what you think happens when somebody dies? I believe it just ceases to exist. You just cease to exist and that's just it. Okay. Alright. Thank you, sir. Any other person, please? Have you thought about that before? What happens when somebody dies? Glory, was your hand up? Huh? Please give her the microphone. Out of the mouth of babes. Glory. Oh, I just need to 
What happens when somebody dies? Uh, I think if they're a believer, they go to heaven. Okay. And if they're not, they go to the lake of fire. Okay, what does it mean to be a... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. In case you're watching and you do not know, perhaps the camera can get that. The person whose voice you're listening to is a 10-year-old. All right? Come on, celebrate Jesus for that. Start with. So you said if they're a believer, they go to heaven. If they are not believer, they go to the lake of fire. Who is a believer? Or what does it mean to be a believer? A believer is someone who believes that God made them the world and died on the cross to save their lives. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? Awesome. Celebrate her, please. Let's hear from someone else. Any other person? Have you ever thought? Don't even say if somebody dies. If you die today, have you ever thought of where you're going to? Anybody? Um, uh, Wendy was raising up her hand. Please give her the microphone. Be fast. How do you mean no? Give her a microphone, my friend. Give her the microphone. A 10-year-old just challenged you. Go ahead. What happens if somebody dies? Um, I feel like they just, they're in the grave till judgment day. They're in the grave till judgment like day. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They're in the grave till the judgment day. Okay, I don't think they are judged. I feel like everyone was judged together on okay. the last day. You feel like? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't ask you to pass the microphone. Please give it back to her. You feel like everybody will be judged together on the last day. Yeah. Okay, so if an unbeliever dies, what happens to them? The moment, let's say an unbeliever is driving and they die. They had an accident and they die. What happens at that point? I mean, I feel like there's a place where everybody's spirits stay till judgment day. Okay, like... Uh, the, everybody's spirit will be suspended regardless no, if you are like there's purgatory there's oh there's purgatory that's yeah. what I'm going to okay alright uh huh what if they believe her? I mean I don't think everybody is judged like it's going to heaven or hell immediately okay okay yeah okay do you have any other thing to add to it no <laughs> She couldn't wait to hand over the microphone. See, to start with, according to the scripture, there ain't no such thing as purgatory. Did you hear what I said now? That's part of the beliefs some people hold. That when somebody dies, their spirit would go hibernate in a space, at the level, at the realm, pending when judgment is going to be made, then on the judgment day, their spirit will then descend from where it's been suspended to and then, you know, judgment will then be pronounced on them. That's not scriptural. Anyways, we'll get there. In the Bible, if you go through, you'll find, you know, different kinds of resurrection, particularly three types. The Bible tells you about the resurrection of Jesus, which was what I just explained to us earlier on. Every believer believes that. If you do not believe that, you're not saved. 
That's part of the things you must believe in, you know, for your salvation to be sealed. You must believe, just like I read in 1 Corinthians number 15 yet again, you must believe that Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus, you know, um, um, is coming back again, you know, and Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah, glory to God. Number two is resurrection of the righteous. Bible also explains this to us. Resurrection of the righteous. And you have resurrection of the unjust or the ungodly. These are the three types of resurrections, you know, described in the scripture. Of Jesus, of the righteous, and of the unjust or the ungodly. Listen, some of you may go and say, oh yeah, there are other accounts in the Bible where we read about people being raised from dead to life. See, that someone was raised from dead to life does not mean they were resurrected. Jesus, as we speak right now, Jesus was the first person to be resurrected from the dead. The word resurrection literally means being imputed on being given a life, a kind of life that does not die or that cannot die. You may go on to say, oh yeah, but pastor, in the Bible we found, you know, that Elijah resurrected the widow of the son, I mean the, um, the, the son of the widow of Zarephath. We read about Lazarus. Lazarus was not resurrected, Lazarus was raised. You see, in doing this teaching, this is one of the things you really need to bear in mind. To be raised from dead or to be resuscitated from dead, it's different from being resurrected from dead. Now, all these guys, they went on the fire. The Bible also tells us about this guy. Um, that guy that's, you know, those stuff. When Paul was, was teaching. Eutychus. Eutychus. Let's see that very quickly. I know some of you haven't heard that before. Acts chapter number 27 to 12. Let me just show you from the scripture. Acts chapter number 20, verses 7 to 12. Take a look at the story of Eutychus. Bible says, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread... Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Verse number 8 says, There were many lambs in the upper room where they were gathered together. Please move on. And in the window sat, sat a certain young man named Eutychus. Bible says he was, he was sinking into a deep sleep. You know, some of you also under the sound of my voice, you have special grace for, for sleep. Some of you, your name even starts with S. Hallelujah, glory to God. So everything is S, 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 S. <laughs> and in the window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. May you not be overcome by sleep in Jesus' name. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Say after me, I will not be overcome by sleep. I will not be overcome by sleep. The guy fell from third floor. Paul was teaching. That guy fell. He dozed off. He fell from third floor. And he hit the ground. He hit the ground dead. Take a look at the scripture. Bible says, But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Give me the next verse. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even to daybreak, he departed. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So these ones, they were resuscitated, okay? They were made alive. They were, they were raised from the dead. All these people, Lazarus, Eutychus, 
the son of the widow of the woman, the widow of Zarephath and all of that, you know. But they all still died. And that's a fundamental proof that they were not resurrected. If you experience resurrection, you can never die again. This is very pivotal to this teaching tonight. Understand that being raised from the dead is different from being resurrected. To be resurrected yet again is to be imputed eternal life. That's the life that does not die, the life that is incorruptible, that death cannot meet. If not, all these guys, after they were raised from the dead, they should have continued to live. But Jesus became the very first person to experience resurrection. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. By, that's the reason why we call, I mean, the Bible describes him as the firstborn among the brethren. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. In John chapter number 11, for example, 17 to 27. John chapter number 11, 17 to 27. We read in there the account of Lazarus. After the sisters came together and they came to meet Jesus, they called on Jesus to come raise their brother to dead, to, to life rather. See, so when Jesus came, Bible says he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Look at the next verse. It says, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Because Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, had just died. I mean, was dead, rather. Bible says, now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. The next verse says, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Look at what Jesus then says. I mean, but, I mean Martha then said further, he says, But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Look at the next verse. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Take a pause there. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha's response will shock you. Look at the next verse. Martha said to him, I know that you will rise again in the resurrection at the last, the old on the second. That tells you that even as at then, as of those period, these guys knew they understood about the resurrection from the dead. Meaning that both Martha, Mary, and all those people who knew Jesus then, who were accompanying Jesus, you know, and everyone who had whatever thing to do with Jesus, based on Jesus' teaching, they knew that there was such a thing as resurrection from the dead. They knew that when a believer in Christ dies, at the last day when the trumpet sounds, or when Jesus returns, that they will be raised up yet again. Then they would exchange corruption, I mean, corruptible body, you know, for incorruption. They would exchange mortality for immortality. Martha knew this. He said to Jesus, I know he will rise again. You don't need to ask yourself, how did Martha know that Lazarus was going to rise again? So both Lazarus, I mean both Martha and Jesus, they were speaking of different kinds of resurrection or different kinds of rising. While Martha was speaking about that rising that would take place, you know, at the resurrection morning, Jesus was wanting her to understand and you see that in the next verse look, take a look at the next verse now Jesus said to her listen I'm not talking about the resurrection morning I'm not talking about him rising up on the last day 
Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. I've done teachings on this before. Simply put, resurrection in this case, or in the life of a believer, is not an event. Resurrection is a person. So that is the reason why, when you experience resurrection indeed, as a believer, you truly are then imputed at that point, eternal life. That's the same life that God has, that Jesus has. It's the life that does not die or that can never die. And in case you don't know, there are three types of death too. To say somebody will be resurrected or somebody will be raised from dead or somebody resuscitated from dead simply tells you that there is also something about death. Right? You have the physical death which is the physical departure of the people that you know. Take, for example, for somebody like me, my father went to be with the Lord August 2nd, 2012. We are separated physically. That's physical death. That's number one kind of death. You have another kind of death. It's a spiritual death. That's the death that you had, that you experienced, prior to you coming to the knowledge of Christ. When you have not confessed and accepted the lordship of Jesus over your life. It's spiritual death. Paul spoke about it in Ephesians chapter number 2. He says, this is this in the same manner after which each of us also once conducted ourselves. He says, we were so dead in our trespasses that we did not have an inkling of what Christ is able to do. But we accepted Christ and life was given to us. A new life, not the old one. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone who believes in Christ is a new creation. He says, all things are passed away, all things have become new. So there is spiritual death. Listen, you can be coming to church every day, serving in church, giving, yet still be dead spiritually. The only point to become alive spiritually uh, would be the point when you confess the lordship of Jesus over your life. And again, like I said earlier on, you believe that he's Lord. You believe he died. You believe he rose. You believe he's coming back again. Until that happens, you're experiencing what is called spiritual death. That also tells you that there are many people dead on the street than those who are alive. Simply put, anyone who's not accepted or confessed the lordship of Jesus over their life, every, that person is dead. It is spiritual death. And last but not the least, you have eternal death. You have eternal death. I hope you also know that as heaven is eternity, so does hellfire. They are both eternity. You have what you call eternal death. Bible calls it the second death. It is appointed for a believer to die once. But if you're not saved, you die that physical death. Then you die eternal death. That's the death of condemnation. So when you marry this death that, I'm touch, that I touched on, you know, very briefly, and the resurrection, something is very, very pronounced in them. Listen, when it comes to resurrection, both the believer and the non-believer 
will be resurrected. Did you, did you get what I'm saying? Both the believer and the non-believer will experience a resurrection. So then that takes me to the question that I started with. When somebody dies, where do they go to? Someone said, they're just no more. It's much more than that. Someone talked about purgatory. Purgatory is not scriptural. There is no space for hibernation when you die. It is appointed for man to die once and after that death comes judgment. So when a non-believer dies, what then happens? The moment a non-believer dies, the soul and the spirit of that non-believer that the Christian world did not accept the lordship of Jesus is sent to hellfire. When a believer dies, what then happens? The moment a believer breathes his last or our last, the spirit and the soul of the believer goes into heaven. Is received by the Lord. You all are looking at me now. Let's see one or two things. Let's see 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, 13 to 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, 13 to 18. You see, as a believer, these are some of the things you need to know. Paul says they are basic, they are fundamental teachings of the Christian faith. How can you claim to be saved when you don't have an idea of where you are headed? You say you are saved, yet you don't know what's going to happen to you when you leave this, you know, um, terrestrial world. Then something is wrong. Let's see 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18. I want you to pay attention to this. This was Paul speaking. He says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Concerning those who are falling asleep, you can see that he did not say they died. Because a believer truly does not die. Now, y'all didn't catch that. I just read to you, I just read to you earlier on, you know, concerning the story of, you know, Jesus, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone that believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. So a believer does not die. You and I belong to what I call the never die gang. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. I, I, I can't die. Because the physical death that will come to me someday, as the Lord wills, that's not death. I'm already dead. Dead to sin, dead to the world. And I've been made alive in Christ. And I will continue to remain alive in Christ. So take a look at the screen. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant brethren, concerning those who are falling asleep. He says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Can you see that? Go, go back to that place bro. again. He says, lest you sorrow like them who have no hope. That's why I can ask you that what's the proof that you're truly saved? If somebody departs physically, well, it's human, right? When my father died, even till this day, sometimes I still think about it and I still get mushy mushy. It happens. But you must be comforted. That's the reason why you, if you are the only believer in your house, if you know you truly love your entire family, preach Jesus to them. Such that when you all depart this physical world, this terrestrial world, you can continue your relationship in heaven. Anyways, fellowship can also be continued in hell. But I pray that won't be your lot in Jesus' name. 
He says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Let's assure us others who have no hope. Verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. Can you see that? That's not my word. Can you see that? For this will say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. You know why? Take a look at the next verse. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. That's Jesus' second coming he's describing there. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Look at 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Hold on a second. The dead in Christ, they will rise first. Meaning that when Jesus, is re when Jesus returns upon that second coming, those who believed in Christ and died, they will first be raised from the dead. Not their that same body with which they were buried. Being raised from there, it's the word resurrection. It's the eternal life that will be imputed that they will have in, the, in, in respect to the physical body. That's that life that can no longer die. Okay, let me explain it this way. When somebody dies, they are buried six feet down. What you bury is not the spirit, not the soul of the person. What you bury is the physical body. You need to understand this if you're a believer. And if you go watch, after, it doesn't matter how beautiful the casket is. It doesn't matter how grandeur, you know, the symmetry is. After a couple of months or years, when you go check that person that was buried, you would see that the physical body, they've already been eaten. They're gone. They become skeletal. But with the resurrection, the life that you have, the, the, the body that you have, is not the one that can be chopped off. Not the one that can be eaten. Not the one that will become skeletal. So, the dead in Christ rising first, what they are rising into is, being a, is the exchange of that the physical body. They have what the Bible described as glorious body. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. How many of you have read the book of Revelations here before? You know, I told you all many times. Go be studying the book of Revelations. It will help you. You know, I understand some of you are looking at me right now like, you know, um, like something untoward, you know, is going on and all of that. I usually share this. Some years ago, I was asked by my pastor, you know, to share uh, something, a subject around this, the second coming of Christ and all of that. And he called me. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. Something is happening with the light here. Hallelujah. You know, and he called me and then said to me that I should make sure that I teach it very well. I should go study resurrection of the dead and all of all those things and blah, blah, blah like that. You see, for all that you care, as that period, whenever these teachings were being done, People were taught with fears. They think about the second coming of Christ and they are sad. 
They think about the second coming or the return of Christ and they're jittery. Now, the reason for that is very, very simple. It is because the kingdom of the Lord has been sold into their heart in form of fears. Listen, the return of Christ is not something a believer should think about and become worried or become sad. You should rejoice at it. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Death is not something a believer should think about and a believer should become sad about. It should never happen. You should think about you dying and you should be rejoicing. Because at that point, you have the opportunity of being where Jesus is. Hallelujah, glory to God. So then, I began my preparation for the same teaching. And I began to study and study and study and study. And in the course of my study, the Lord just opened up my eyes. And the Lord said to me, My kingdom is not one that they think about and they trepidate with fear. Tell them it's a kingdom of love. Hey, I got to church the following day, you know, for my teaching. And I laid it clear the same way the Lord had blessed, you know, inspired me. I remember my pastor coming back to me and saying, I've not heard it taught in that perspective before. If you are not saved, it's a different ballgame. But if you're saved, you know, this um, very, very psychedelic lifestyle of a believer, where you think that your ability to make heaven is based on some goods that you do on earth. Huh? It is not God. It's not biblical. So the dead in Christ, those ones will rise first. Do you understand this? This is the focus of this teaching. The dead in Christ, they will rise first. Their body, their earthly body will be exchanged for the glorious body. Then those of us who remain, let's assume Jesus comes right now. Those of us who remain would also then be exchanged. Because this, your body cannot get to heaven. It cannot take you beyond this ceiling. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Then those of us who remain, our own bodies too will be exchanged. That also tells you something. It is not every believer that will see death. Have you thought about it that way before? It's not every believer that will see death. Up, upon Jesus' return, some believers will still be breathing. Some will be caught alive. Some would have died. My father is dead. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. That's the reason why in a church like, say, Redeemed, for example, when somebody dies and they need to bury the person, they don't do, they don't pour sands and say, this for this, that for that. They don't do that. You know what they do? They wave. You wave at the grave. You wave at the person in the grave. Say goodbye for now. It's goodbye. Not never to be seen again. So you're waving. When you wave goodbye to someone, you hope to see them yet again. And that is what Jesus, the Bible teaches us. So Paul also must have understood or must have seen these people living lives like those who had no hope. Must be the reason why he told them in that first Thessalonians that I just read to you. Don't let us act like people who are hopeless. We are not like them. For us, these are the things that will happen. When the trumpet sounds, he explains how the trumpet, how Jesus would return. Like, a, like the sound of an archangel, you hear it. He says the dead in Christ, those who died in Christ, they will be raised first. Then the rest of us who are alive, you know, our bodies will be exchanged. They will be caught up in the cloud with them. 
See, it's also very, very important as a believer not to take things too much to heart on this very terrestrial world. It's very important for your good to always remember that you are a stranger, you are a foreigner in this land. The one who is dead, who is dead, who is who is experiencing spiritual death, can take this place as their final home. But you and I, this is not the home. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. This is not what? This is not the home. When you accepted the lordship of Jesus, your domain, your your domain, your base, your 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 citizenship was changed, and you belong to the Commonwealth of Zion. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Let's see First Corinthians chapter number 15, 51. I, th- I think we already read, read that, so let me just move on from that. Second Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 8. Second Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 8. Paul says to be dead, we are confident. Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So that also explains that there is no such thing as a purgatory. There is no such thing as a a suspended place. You know, some people really, really believe that both the dead and the living, everyone is placed in a place, like there is another earth, or there is another area, another place for the dead, where everybody that is dead lives. And then when Jesus is then ready to return, then judgment will not be dispensed to everybody. No. no. The moment I breathe my last, judgment has come. There is no longer room for correction. The moment you breathe your last, judgment has come. Like I told you earlier on, see, both um, heaven and hell, both of them are eternity. Eternity simply means not ending. The difference is that the, 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 you who would make heaven, you have what is called eternal life. Eternal life, having eternal life is different from eternity. Eternal life is the life of God, Zoe. So you get to be in a place where Jesus is and where all the center, where there is no death, where there is no mourning. Bible says there is no night, there is no day. This is because the glory of the Lord illuminates the place. There is no one sick in heaven. Sickness comes on this physical body, this unglorious body. That body that you will be exchanged with, either at resurrection or when Jesus arrives and returns, when you are alive, that body, sickness cannot come in it. This sounds very deep, you know, for some of you. Yet Paul says, these are elementary teachings of the Christian faith. If only in this world you have hope. He says, you have all men most miserable. So the reason why many times we rejoice when things are not going the way we want them to go. The reason why we rejoice, you know, when, we, when things are good. The reason why we rejoice when things are bad is simply because we know, we are confident that that day is coming. That day is coming when this corruptible body will be given way to an incorruptible body will be given to us. 
And then we will rule and reign with Christ forever. In that place, there is no limit as to how long you can live. It's no fluke when the Bible teaches that what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So, see, brethren, listen, I'm spending much time on this right now because I really need you all to get it. The essence of this teaching is very, very simple. It is for you to believe that there is truly such thing as resurrection of the dead. That's the essence. And that was why I began by telling you the distinction between resurrection and being raised to life or being raised back to life or being resuscitated to life. If somebody dies here today and will pray and that person, you know, jacks back to life, that person will still die. As a matter of fact, if they fail to accept the lordship of Jesus, they will die the second death. So it is important, it is important that you know that there is no place for hibernation. There is no place suspended. That's the essence of this teaching. It's as simple as that. It's not complex. If Jesus, Bible says in Romans 8, verse number 11, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body by the same spirit that dwells in you. If truly the grave could not hold Jesus bound and Jesus resurrected from the grave, it's also the assurance that we have that someday we also will experience resurrection. Next week, Sunday, next week, Wednesday, as Christ lives, I'm going to teach about eternal judgment. That's all the things that would happen when Jesus returns and um, how he will take, you know, the saint home and what's going to happen at the end of that period. You would understand that. Bible calls it white throne judgment. You see that in Revelation number 20. For you to understand, and yet again, that this, that um, for you to understand that um, um, the resurrection of the dead, resurrection of the dead is a very poignant teaching of the Christian faith. After Jesus had gone to heaven, the disciples, they kept on teaching it. Listen, listen, I understand that now churches are full of prosperity messages. Some of you under the sound of my voice right now, you've never heard a teaching like this before since you gave your life to Christ. It's possible. And you've been going to church. It is very possible. But you must know this. It is the reason why, again, we can be rejoicing. Paul says for me to live is Christ. He says to die is gain. It is the reason why we also need to tell everybody. Everyone who cares to know. Everyone who cares to listen. Even if they don't care to know, they don't care to listen. To telling them that Jesus is Lord. To telling them that Jesus will come back again. To letting them understand that except they accept the Lordship of Jesus, they will spend eternity in hellfire. They will experience the second death. They will. 16th verse of the book of John, chapter number 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He says that whosoever believes in it should not perish but have everlasting life. The flip side of that simply says that anyone that does not believe in him would, would not have everlasting life and will perish. Listen, 
An average believer also does not know the weight of what they carry. I can see Martin James Ministries. Oh, wow. Is that same Pastor Martin James from Lagos, Nigeria? If that it is, Pastor Martin, I celebrate you. God bless you, sir. Thank you for tuning in. Many believers don't understand what they carry. If you know, um, you will not be troubled. I tell you. I tell you. I tell you. You will no longer be troubled. Many of the things that mess you up, there is no money in your pocket, you will rejoice at it. Paul says, I have learned to abound and to abase. I was still teaching you which day here that you don't measure God's faithfulness to you based on your material acquisition or what you describe as success on this earth. So God is good when things are going the way you want them to go. But God is no longer good when things are not going the way you want them to go. No, it shouldn't be like that for you. And again, the day of your death, the day of your rejoicing, I mean of Jesus' return, it should be one you look forward to. Rejoicing. Because death for a believer is not the end. It is the beginning. When a believer dies, that is when they begin to live. Again, these are basic teachings. So the apostles, they went around and they kept on teaching about this. Let's see it. Acts chapter number 4, 1 to 22. And I want you to read some of the things they taught. Acts chapter number 4, verses 1 to 22. Take a look at it. Please follow me as I read. Just keep skipping it. It says, Now, as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus. They did what? Look at your screen. They preached in Jesus. What? The resurrection from the dead. Can you see? So it's not a new phenomenon. Not something new. Again, Martha knew about this. That was why she could tell Jesus, I know Lazarus would rise up again on the last day. Hallelujah. Take a look at verse number 3. And they laid hands on them. Ministry of laying on of hands. Can you see that yet again? And they laid hands on them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Please go back. Go back to verse number 2. There was a place I saw and they laid hands on them. That lay hands on them, sorry, was not ministry of laying of hands. They captured them. That was what the scripture said. Okay? I just need to correct that. And put them in custody until the next day. That was the captured. If you go check another version, you'll see that. They, like, arrested. You know, okay? And put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Who, who did they keep in custody? The, the apostles or the disciples. Okay, now. However, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Look at the next verse. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, set them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. He says, if with this day are judged for a good deed, done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well. Verse number 10 says, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. 
Can you see it? By him, this man stands here before you all. Verse number 11. This is the stone which, reject, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It must be in the name of Jesus. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go, aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. In other words, they met. Okay, they discussed. Saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. Verse 17 says, But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. From now on, they speak to no man in this name. Look at, I love that response. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Look at what they said to the people. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right, in the sight of God, to listen to you more than to God, you judge. You see, these are people who are very confident in the God they serve. They were willing to risk everything and anything. See, at that point, their physical life was nothing to them because they believe in the resurrection of the dead. Did you catch what I just said now? Their physical life meant nothing to them. Earth meant nothing to them. They knew they knew that Jesus, they would meet with Jesus, they would dwell and reign with Jesus forever. They knew. In fact, when you take a look at the lives of these people, you'll be wondering why they were putting themselves in arm's way. So things that could have caused them to deny Jesus or to cause them to run away, they would stand and confess it. You know why? Death was hungering them. Like I said, where I'm from. You understand what I'm saying? Now? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? They were eager to die to leave this earth and go where Jesus is. Stephen was mad tired. Stephen had the capacity to have eloped, to have run away. Stephen stood. Peter, Paul, all of them, they had the capacity to have. In fact, Bible tells us towards the end of the book of Acts, Bible says after the sheep from Rome, you know, and all of that happened and they joined and they sealed. Bible says they saw snake on Paul's um, and his wrist. And he said, oh, see, even the gods are against him. The gods have caught up with him today. So they thought that that was going to be his end. Bible tells us that Paul, he shook off that um, serpent, you know, from his hand into the fire. And they all saw it. So you would then be wondering. They were, they were fearless. Because this corruptible body meant nothing to them. There is a glorious body, a glorious life that awaits them. So they'd rather die for the sake of the gospel than live and end up spending eternity, you know, in hellfire. He says, you judge whether it is good to listen to you than to God. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Breathe on that a little bit. 
You can never be an effective missionary of the gospel of Christ if you're still very mindful of this physical life. If not, there will not be missionaries in remote areas of the world. Don't even go too far. West Africa, Nigeria, northern part of Nigeria. There are missionaries in those places where you have all those earthmen, you have all those militants and all of all those things. You have them. You have, you have, you have, you have missionaries there. They have lost this life. They've exchanged it. That's the level we all should be. A fearless life. Where you no longer bother as to what happens to this physical body or whatever anything does for you or does against you. You will be more concerned about where you are heading to. You can be an effective evangelist, an effective missionary, an effective pastor, an effective prophet or apostle of Christ if you are very too concerned about this physical body. During COVID, some pastors straight from the altar, you know, defied the government instructions or decisions. However, it makes sense that if you are doing these things you're doing, you have deep understanding, as I'm teaching you tonight, of why you are doing it. Such that you will not die foolishly. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because it's the same Bible that teaches you that you should honor and submit to all government and authorities. I remember in the heat of COVID, one of my sons, actually two of them, said that they were surprised that, you know, I was encouraging our members to go take the vaccine. I never asked any member to go take the vaccine. I only told them, if you feel led to go, go do it. And I, your pastor, have taken it and I'm alive. And the spirit of the devil has not entered me. As a matter of fact, I thought I traveled more around that period than period before it. So I would get to the airport to fly, maybe locally or internationally. They would ask me for my COVID vaccine. So I told one of them. I went for one conference in the US. I can't remember what conference it was. I said, if I were you like you, you think I would have been able to cross to go do that? One called me one day like that too. You know, left the city, moved to another city and said in his church, in the church he was attending now, that they were praying for someone and they just cast out the spirit of COVID-19. You know. <laughs> All sort of nonsense people are teaching. There is a way to walk with Christ. It is to be mindless, not careless mindless of this body and fear not you live every day of your life as though it were your last that's the way to live to live every day as though that's the day that Jesus is coming to stand for the truth to stand on the path of justice hallelujah are we still reading that where were we verse number 20 Time is gone. I'm just going to finish up with that. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Verse 20. For we cannot but speak. Can you see now? For we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen 
and heard. Verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. Again, don't forget that part of the things that they were teaching was the resurrection from the dead. So they must have gone ahead preaching Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah of the world. If you accept him into your life today, though you die, you shall yet live. Those were the things that didn't make sense to them. To the Sandrine and the people who, who captured them. Those were the things that didn't make sense to them. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We read also in Luke chapter number 16, verses 19 to 30, 31. Let's see that. Luke 16, 19 to 31. The story of the rich man and the beggar named Lazarus. This is also for you to understand that heaven and hell, they are real. Did you hear me now? They are real, both of them. If they are not real, resurrection of the dead, deduction, would have been futile. Why are you, what are you rising to? What are you resurrecting to? Alright? Let's see this. Luke chapter number 16, 19 to 31. Interesting story. He says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, not the, same, not the other Lazarus, okay, full of sauce, who was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. That's paradise. That's heaven. Okay? Into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, that's hell. Okay? See, this scripture does not mean that if you are rich, you will go to hell, no. <laughs> Just, you know, some, some people teach that as part of their theology as Christians. That God does not desire you to be wealthy. It, uh, when you have too much money, you will not have Christ again. May I have too much money? And Christ will continue dwelling in me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm being in torment in Hades. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. Can you see? So he did not say that this rich man was in purgatory. He was in hell. He already died. Okay? And Lazarus in his bosom. In whose bosoms? Abraham's bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. In other words, there is no crossing over. May we not end up in hellfire. So if anybody ends in there and you see me in heaven and I say, ah, that's Peter. That's Peter. Can I just cross over? There ain't no crossing over. You have the opportunity to cross over tonight. There is only one way to cross over. To accept the lordship of Jesus over your soul. And the righteousness of God will be imputed into you. Take a look at it. It says, between us and you, there is a great God fixed. 
so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Can you see? <laughs> For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. So he was in a hellfire. So okay, so if I cannot come, please, can you have someone go to my own house? I still have people who are not saved. Let them surrender so that they will not come to this place which I am. Bible says, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophet. Let them hear them. You don't have Moses, you don't have prophet. You have Wale Tejumade. You have Tori Wale Tejumade. You have um, Jumoke Olufemi. You have Dunsi Olufemi. You have Momi Oyedele. You have uh, Damilari Oyedele. You have Peace Dukuye. You have your unit leaders. Listen. Yeah. What? Well, I don't know. For me, serving God is fun. It is liberating. It is freedom. There is no bile, no guilt, no whatever in your heart. It's a grace, it's a privilege. So again, as I wrap up, there will be two kinds of resurrection on the last day. Resurrection to life, that for believers. Where we would exchange this body for the immortal bodies. Hallelujah, glory to God. Then you have resurrection, you know, to judgment or to death. So both the believer and non-believer, in case you don't know, every, both of us will be resurrected. I know before now, you may, you may have thought that it's only believers that would experience resurrection that would be woken up. No. It's everybody. So them too, after, you know, I told you after a believer dies, the spirit and soul goes straight to hell. After a believer dies, the spirit and soul is received in heaven. So when Christ returns, their own because that hell they are in is still with their corruptible body. So they will change. So they will have uh, not a glorious body now, inglorious body. Alright? Given to them. So that they can spend eternity in there. And so that you and I can spend eternity. It's all sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him out of his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I love How I proved it all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust The hope or assurance of resurrection is one of the joys of the Christian faith. Did you hear me, child of God? Look at me, please, everybody. If you are watching online, please pay attention to this. One of the many joys of the Christian faith is the assurance of resurrection. The fact that when you die, you know where you're headed. The one who is currently experiencing spiritual death does not have an idea. Don't forget someone said earlier on 
based on their own level of knowledge prior to this teaching tonight, that when somebody dies, they just believe, yeah, the person is just no more. It is more than the person not being no more. This world is timed. This terrestrial world is very timed. It is limited. Max, you will live 120, 130, 150. People die at 10, at 5, at whatever age, at 70, at 50, at 40. You can die anytime. I can die anytime. Don't say, no, pastor, don't curse me. I'm not cursing you because life and death is not in your hand. And it's not my responsibility to tell when my time is up. The one who has sent me, the one who has called me, who has created me, the one unto whom I've submitted my soul will be the one to determine when my time is up. If he says it is now, I cannot query it. So that joy of resurrection, that joy of being able to exchange this immortality for immortality is one of the many joys of the Christian faith. If only in this world we have hope, we have all men most miserable. So kingdom influencers, stop living your life. Let's stop living our lives as though our, the entirety of our being, our essence, begins and ends here. The job you are troubled about the child you are troubled about. The spouse you are troubled about. The finances you are troubled about. All those things are nothing compared to the joy that awaits you. Bible says Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. There is such a thing as the resurrection of the dead. If you believe in Christ, you would experience it. If you do not believe in Christ, you would also experience it. The difference, however, is if you believe in Christ, you will be where the saints are. You will be where Jesus is. You will be in that city where there is no night, there is no day. Not like this, your Canada. Right now, before you know it, it will be done. Before you know it, it will be night. In that place, no night, no day. Bible says because the glory of the Lord illuminates the place. Wouldn't it be beautiful to see Jesus face to face? To send the disciples face to face, the apostles face to face. This place is limited. You are quarreling with someone. You have anger, animosity, hatred in your heart towards someone. Child of God, listen to this, this moment. You can have all those things in you and claim to be saved. These are not fruit of the spirit. They are works of the flesh. Part of the fruit of the spirit is forgiveness. Capacity to actually letting go and forgiving people in advance when they've offended you. There have been stories that I've heard of a servant of the Lord who died and was sent back to, 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 to earth. Why? Because he got in there and he saw that when he was distributing tract or something like that, he did not forgive someone that offended him or her. Unto whom are you holding offenses? Your spouse? Your mother? Your father? Your siblings? Tonight may be a night of reckoning for you. This message don't come every time. I'm not sure I'm going to teach on resurrection of the dead yet again. Maybe in the next one year or in the next two years. But now you've heard it. This is one of the joys that you have as a believer. That you're not just a believer for being a believer's sake. So because of that, you can no longer judge God's faithfulness. You can no longer judge the success of your life based on the things happening around you or within you right now. Because of that, you are able to judge based on the confessions of your faith in Christ Jesus and knowing fully well that if the trumpet sounds today, Jesus would receive you home. This mortal body will be taken off. You would have the glorious body that the Lord Almighty will give to you. I don't want to miss the mark. And I do not want you to miss the mark. One of the things that would help you not to miss the mark, it is the love walk. Capacity to walk in love. 
even with your enemies. Would you please, by the mercies of the Lord tonight, child of God, forgive your traducers, your siblings, your brother, your mother, your father, whoever it may be, your bosses, even your prayer partner that you've chosen not to forgive. Yes, even those ones who did you bad, those ones who showed you shaggy, forgive them and letting it go. Let Jesus flood your heart with his love. Bible says in Romans chapter number 5 from verse number 5, he says, in this the love of the Lord was manifest. He says, because the love of the Father has been poured in, up, abroad in our heart, it is by the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. You cannot claim to be saved. You cannot claim to be expecting the glorious home if you're still walking in bitterness, if you're still walking in, in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, bitterness are major barriers to your Christ work. Even on this earth, you'll not be able to obtain victory. If not, Jesus wouldn't have said in Matthew chapter 11 from verse number 22 that when you come into his house to stand praying and you remember that someone has offended you, leave your offering, your seed and your prayer. Go make amend to that person then come back. Listen, this walk of faith, this walk of Christ, this salvation journey is very, very easy. It is very, very simple. In my little years on earth, I have learned Walking in love makes it easy. Nothing compares to it. That's the reason why before you offend me, I'll put you at arm's length. I'll forgive you in advance. Instead of you coming in my, in my way or against my way, my walk with the Lord, I'd rather say goodbye to you. That's very, very, very easy. And trust me, I will hold nothing against you. Rise up on your feet tonight. Some of you under the sound of my voice, you may have to release one or two persons. Those ones who've done evil against you. If the trumpet sounds right now, yes, what you need to make heaven is the salvation of your souls, confession, and the work of your love with the Lord. But without the work of love, you will not be able to make full proof of your salvation faith or of your faith in Christ. I don't know exactly what is going on in your life. I don't know exactly what people have done against you. If unforgiveness, you are easily offended. Something is wrong. Everybody offends you. Something is wrong. People offend you, they come to you for forgiveness. You find the heart, something is wrong. Something is wrong. I told you earlier on, what made those people to tri triumph the way they triumphed was simply because they did not give any cognizance to this earthly body. They did not give any cognizance to their times here on earth. It really doesn't matter to them whatever attacks or whatever arrows come to them. If you go study the book of Acts better, Bible tells us that the disciples were flogged. They were chastised. They were flogged with, with stripes. Bible says they left the place which they were. They left the place rejoicing, saying to themselves that they considered it very fortunate to have also been flogged the same way Jesus was flogged. You saw it in the scripture in Acts chapter number 4. Bible says, they said to the, to the Sanhedrin and the guests and the rest of them, say so you decide whether it is honorable to listen to you than much to God. You judge. You judge. Messages like this don't come all the time. You may be struggling as a believer simply because of unforgiveness. That your sibling that you've... I don't know why I keep going to siblings. That your sibling you've chosen not to forgive. You've said it multiple times over your dead body. Would you rather not forgive the person and spend eternity in hell? Or forgive the person and reign with Christ? Where you're going to, there is no night, there is no day. There is no sickness. When you see those who are already dead in Christ, who walked in love and are dead in Christ, you will see them. Not the physical body you will see, you will see the glorious body. You will see, the glo you will see them, the glory, the, with the glory that they carry.
I gave this church tonight just to encourage every one of you under the sound of my voice and myself inclusive to recheck our Christian walk and ask ourselves if truly we believe in the resurrection of the dead. Because if truly we believe in the resurrection of the dead, nothing done to us on this earth should matter to us. If truly you believe in the resurrection of the dead, if truly you believe that at the end of the day, both the righteous and the unrighteous would experience resurrection, you should not be bothered about whatever thing that's done for you today. I'm a pastor. My eyes have seen a lot. Those that I stood for, prayed with, counseled, prophesied over, fasted over, they've turned me dirty. They've done nasty things against me. If any one of them walks through this door right now and says to me, Peter, I'm sorry. They don't even need to tell me I'm sorry. They're already forgiven. Because I will never allow anybody to come in between my work with the Lord. And you may be a preacher. You're also under the sound of my voice. You preach from the altar. Raining curses and abuses unto people. It's ungodly. If the trumpet sounds right now, ask yourself, would you make heaven? Would you make heaven? You'll be resurrected. That's a given. But would you make heaven? Ask yourself, would you? Some of you serving in same unit in church even. Yet, you're not talking to one another. Your colleagues at work that you're having constant issues with. If Jesus comes today, would you make heaven? All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. At Lofty Heights, we don't like bringing ourselves to a close without giving an opportunity to someone to have a relationship with the Lord. And without a doubt, a teaching as that of tonight presents you a unique opportunity to come in into the Lordship of Jesus. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Say after me, dear Jesus, tonight I come humbly before you, repenting of my sins, declaring you as the Lord over my life. I believe you died. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again. And I believe you're coming back again. Please save me. Fill me with your love. Saturate my heart with your spirit. Keep me in your warm embrace. And make me yours. From this moment to the end of time. In Jesus' name. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.